Welcome to The Worst Week Yet, the least informed podcast on the left. It's a podcast where every week we tell you the news, except this week, motherfuckers, we ain't telling you shit this week. I am your host, Andrew Hillary, and I am joined once again by my longtime friend, most times co-host, Deanna Mackey. Deanna, what's up, buddy? Nothing. It is the worst week yet. This week is so bad that, like, we couldn't even absorb the news. Like... Like, we just have to pretend that news isn't happening because that's how bad this week is. Yeah, well, I mean, the, <laughs> this week is so bad that we're just, we're already recording on Tuesday. We normally we're, we normally wait to the end of the week. We're like, Tuesday of this week, it's enough. That's all we need. That's right. We're talking to you from the past, listeners. In our third yeah. seat, we've got Kennedy Cooper. Oh, God damn it. I have to take this phone call. <laughs> In our third seat, we've got Kennedy's mute screen. <laughs> got Kennedy on a phone call. The amount of times, the amount of times that Kennedy has to take a phone call during recording is an indicator that Kennedy has to is too cool and important to be on a podcast. Kennedy is in demand, you know. Uh, so that's that's fine. Is that the fact that neither you or I have ever once gotten a phone call during a podcast? <laughs> But hey, I would just answer it on the. I'd I'd plug it into the mixer. I'd be like, "You're live on air on the worst we get. What's up?" And they'd be like, "We're calling about your car's extended warranty coverage." <laughs> Listeners, um, it's good to have you here. Uh, sorry, we're not doing a regular episode this week. Uh, I I I have too much going on. The road is taking its toll on me, and by that I mean I'm bad at planning. And I like was like, "Oh, I have things to do every single day this weekend." So. Just can't can't do a regular episode, but we got we got some stuff going on. Um, while we're waiting for Kennedy to get back, uh, why don't we go ahead and just take a moment and say thank you to our sponsors? That's right, uh, we we have a Patreon. You can support the show. You can give us money over at Patreon.com/slash/WorstWeekYet uh, for as little as two fifty a month. You can sign up to get bonus content. That's right, extra episodes, more of this madness. Ooh, it rhymes. It rhymes. And if you sign up at at least $10 a month, uh, you become an official sponsor, a Pizza the Hut level member. And Deanna, tell them what that means. We're about to say your name on this podcast. We're about to say it. So big thank you to the Green Button, the Man in the West, Patrick, leave me alone, Andrea Humphrey, Zap Actions Downer, Josh Troopin, Darren, no last name, AJ from Baltimore, and... CIA brain bugs. Ooh, ooh, the brain bugs. Uh, <laughs> I can feel them. Ear, uh, <laughs> earworms. I see chicken pox. <laughs> NBC Universal. Um, so, Deanna, uh, what's been going on? How's Pittsburgh these days? Look at me. Is it cold? I'm, no, it's actually um, the weather is beautiful. Which, uh, you know, the weather outside is beautiful, but the weather inside is a rainstorm as always. So, yeah, we We love a good juxtaposition of a beautiful sunny day whenever you're dealing with some of the, if not the hardest thing you've ever gone through. It's a nice little, (laughs) nice little, oh, I might get sunburned while my, uh, while my life is in shambles. Great. Yeah, I like the dichotomy between uh, a beautiful day with a comfortable temperature, low humidity index, decent air quality, and a gentle breeze, no clouds in the sky, and also crippling depression. So, you know, it's nice. It's a little bit of everything. We're we're doing it all here. 
And if that's one thing that uh, I excel at, it's doing it all. It's like, hey, it's nice enough out to go outside without a jacket. Unfortunately, I might need to be in a straight jacket at this moment. <laughs> like, yeah, it's nice. I like the opportunity to sob uncontrollably on the porch instead <laughs> of just on the couch. The porch is a great place to sob for sure. Oh my god, I miss my porch so much. I just yeah. oh, whenever I get home, I'm sitting on the porch the entire day. It's gonna I'm gonna be lovely. throw up on your porch. <laughs> I've done it. Wait, on or off of the porch? Adjacent to. We'll okay. <laughs> I've like put my hands on the railing, like like you know, holding on for dear life, and vomited way out into the yard. Um, it was like a birthday. Were seasick. Yeah. Like. Your porch- <laughs> Like your porch was a boat and you were seasick? I don't have my ocean legs is the problem. Wait, land legs? I don't know. what <laughs> Sea snake? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't know I- what I'm doing here. Um, I forget. When are you listening to this? Oh, if you're listening to this uh, when it comes out, I have shows coming up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I am going to, Deanna, I'm so excited. I'm going to finally get to eat Skyline Chili, and uh, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to go well, but I'm excited still. <laughs> Do you know what Skyline Chili is? Yeah, I know what Skyline Chili is, and it kind of makes me want to cry hearing about it, so let's change the subject. Okay. I went to Cookout last night. Um, cookout is this, like, it's like a fast food chain. It's like kind of like uh, like Five Guys, except they have like a lot more stuff. Like they have like really good fries and burgers, but they also have like chicken and they have like barbecue pulled pork. And the crazy thing is, is that like everything's like two or three dollars. It's so cheap, and I don't understand how it works. But it was so. Are you good. still in Asheville? No, no, I'm in Atlanta now. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Hotlanta, Georgia, the peach of the South, they call or the peach apple. I forget what they call it. Um, but Let's not talk about Georgia either. If we could just leave Ohio and Georgia, just I don't want to talk about either of them places. <laughs> My bad. I'm going to, uh, by the time this is uh, out, I'll be in Florida. Wait, no, I will already have left Florida. Nope. All, nope. <laughs> all, let's not. Um, Your geography is bad for me. Oh, this comes out on Halloween. I'm going to be in uh, Alabama tonight. If you are, for some reason, listening to this show in Huntsville, Alabama today, uh, come see me. I don't even know where I'm performing, but I'll be there. (laughs) You just start over now that Kennedy's back? Nah. What's happening? (laughs) I'm doing geography. (laughs) Uh, I'm so sorry, y'all, but election season shit is crazy. And I had to take that phone call. Was ah. it uh, Nancy Pelosi? Um. <laughs> oh. Okay. I just wanted to name places that I could get upset about. <laughs> the fact that it's taking you this long to answer, Kennedy, that leads me to believe that it was, in fact, Nancy Pelosi that called you. So It was just her teeth. <laughs> listen, listen, it's a very important election coming up. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, Kennedy, Dana, it's so great to have you here. Um, we've got, we, this isn't going to be a normal episode. We're not talking about the news. We've got a couple things for the, for the listening folks, for those, for the eared individuals who, who uh, ingest this podcast every week. God damn, you'd think after a hundred episodes, I'd figure out how to do this, but no, no, not at all. 
Um, so we've got two things. First, we're going to clear out our mailbag. That's right. People send us emails occasionally. I think there's one in there that's like six months old. Um, so we're going to address we're going to address the rumors and the questions head on. And then we have a very, very special treat for you. We are going to be reviewing and recapping the film American Psycho 2. So here's the thing. Normally we say whenever we review a movie that you should watch it first. I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> in fact, I would Completely advise against unnecessary it. I would advise case. against it. <laughs> So yeah, um, it you know if you don't want it spoiled, trust me, you you it's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's not it's not a good movie. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it because I don't think I thought it was as bad as y'all did. Mm. Like it's of all, not, it's you not guys the worst. Me watch. I the absolute worst thing I've seen, but hmm. There were elements. There were elements. Well. I What's in the mail? Well, mail yes, that's right. We do. We have some mail. So I want to get to these um, in the order in which we received them. So let's see here. Why can I not just look at my inbox? That would be that would be easy, right? That would be great if you could just do that. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this email was sent December 9th, 2021. <laughs> Better late than not at all has been my motto for three decades. <laughs> this is from friend of the show, Icky Vicky. Um, Icky Vicky writes, hey, worst people yet, wanted to tell you all about how I lost my virginity. My friends were having a threesome and asked me to join, and it became a foursome. Years later, the two men involved became lovers, and it was really affirming as my place as a trusted side character in their plot line. Nice. Um... Uh, I, I don't know why you wanted to tell us this story, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Long, uh, Icky Vicky continues, longest dry spell was about 10 months when I had my clit pierced in 2008. I didn't trust a man with my precious pierced bean, so I decided not to have sex with him. Ended the spell when a lady I connected and I took it out shortly after. Uh, I didn't want to lose sensation. Heard that was a thing. Anyway, have a great worst week. Hope this has distracted you, if only momentarily, from the horrors of being a person. Hell yeah. Icky? That sure was icky. <laughs> I recently, and by that I mean like within like the last couple years, had my first experience uh, putting a pussy with a ring in it in my mouth, and it was, it was interesting. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of going down, but uh, uh, I don't know if I need that clanking around in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? Not good for your teeth. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> this pussy bites back. <laughs> <laughs> this pussy will chip your tooth. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine if you you met somebody who had a chipped tooth and they're like, "Yeah, I got this eating pussy." <laughs> I'd respect it, honestly. There was a little bit of there was a little bit of something tough in there. I don't know. Not something tough. Oh, no. <laughs> I was just thinking of the worst way to describe that piercing, you know? Yeah, that pussy. <laughs> that pussy had a hard part. That's <laughs> uh, I I follow a Twitter account that just 
to highlight some of the worst that Twitter has to offer. And they, which is actually all of it. Yeah, so, like, so it just retweets every single tweet. <laughs> following any Twitter account is actually following this account. But um, there was a tweet from a person who said that her partner um, ejaculated a kidney stone. What? Into her. <laughs> I've seen this. Yeah. I don't know if it's true or not, but I really want to believe it's true. I really just want to know more. If you were on the receiving end of the kidney stone cum shot, <laughs> write in. The kidney stone cream pie. Look, we'll we are... answer your email. We'll respond to your email in uh, <laughs> nine to 12 business months. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Hell yeah. All right, let's see. What's next? This one's from October 2nd, so we are nearly caught up here. This is from friend of the show, Mosey Danielle. Uh, Mosey writes, worst weekers yet. I found something to improve the week, at least for people with taste. Buffalo Wild Wings offers best wing pizza. Oops, sorry. Boneless wing pizza. Fuck you, Mosey. If you want to be official about it. Could you do that with your precious, more costly bone-in wings? Fuck no. You'd choke on it, and it would ruin your day. Welcome to Flavortown, motherfucker. Deanna, you're just fine, though. Whatever your preference is on the matter. However, suck on that, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> Mosey follows it up with a question. Do you all think that Kim Kardashian will take her kid to Kanye West's school of West Side? I mean, it will count towards visitation, right? <laughs> I'm going to say 100% no. And I, now it's not your fault, Mosey, because you wrote this email October 2nd. So like back then, back then, that was more of a, of a question. Like, uh, but now that we've but, learned a little bit about what Kanye's syllabus is. Here's the thing. I don't think that it would count as visitation because they wouldn't be able to disclose that the kid actually went there because of Ooh, the NBA. That's so a good point. They oh. wouldn't be able to tell the judge that the visitation occurred. Hmm. Well, I think you could tell a judge. Only God can judge my NDA. Um, you can tell, look, if you sign an NDA, you're allowed to tell judges, God, and I think veterinarians too. I think you could tell a vet. Like, I think you can tell your mom also. Well, I could tell my mom anything. <laughs> it's only a matter of if she'll hear it or not from where she is in my glove compartment. Um, okay, we have another question. And Kennedy, this one is addressed to you. This comes from... Oh. I don't know this person, so I don't want to say their last name. First name is Jonathan. Uh, Kennedy, did you ever play Everyone is John or maybe Millennial Apartment Hunters on an RPG podcast? Your voice sounds familiar. Um. I I I don't think so. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Once you record north of like 500 episodes of, of on like you know 30 plus podcasts, you do forget some stuff. And I yeah. have played Everyone Is John before, so I'm familiar with that game. But I don't think I've done it on a podcast. Uh, at least not on a release podcast. Hmm. I I have. There's this tabletop podcast that I've been making that I haven't released. 
<laughs> Wait, maybe this person is emailing from the future. Let me check the date on the email. Oh, yeah. Check the date on the email. <laughs> June 15th, 2024. Whoa, dude. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> See, we, we did get to the one email really late, but we got to this one so early. <laughs> That's why I am not. That's why that email was addressed to Kennedy only because the, <laughs> I will be gone by then. I do like. I did not post that because uh, I I sent out like we're doing a like clearing out the mailbag. If you have a message, uh, send it. I did not say that you would be on Kennedy, but this person this person just guessed, and you know what, John, you nailed it. I guessing that I'm going to be there is not a bad guess. Okay. Um, you're right. You're right. Sorry. I, I started reading the next one and like my brain went on autopilot. Um, yes. Uh, Your brain has a pilot? <laughs> it's a Tesla. <laughs> um, okay. So. And my brain is out and I singed off my eyebrows trying to relight it. <laughs> okay. We have one. I'm, for the listeners at home, I'm eating watermelon. Suck it. Uh, we have one more email. This one comes from Andrea Humphrey, listener of the show, patron of the show, um, the only person that sent me a physical birthday present, um, which was very sweet. She sent me some uh, cute little uh, cat pants, um, which is an insane sounding thing to say. But hey, thank you wait, again. Wait, wait. <laughs> I have questions. I have answers. Were they pants for you that had cats on them? Or were, they for the cat? were they pants for Grady? If a cat wore pants, would it wear it like this or like this? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> they were pants for me that had cats on them. Um, they're very. Cute. I want to get you and Gravy matching pants. Same. Oh my god, I miss Gravy so much. Gravy. Edit that in. Um, yes. Yeah, so Andrea writes in, and this is going to I feel like this is going to be hard, a hard one for us to answer. Um, she writes in, what has been the best week yet? Kind of, kind of hasn't. I've, I don't think I've had the seven. The week the queen died. That was a good week, but like, I don't know. I don't think I've had seven consecutive good days in my entire life. If I'm being honest. I didn't, I didn't say that. What is what? that a requirement? Oh, okay. I was I was thinking like individually, but like just news wise, that that week was good when the queen died. Um, the Trump got COVID week was great. Like I don't think much else happened that week. I can't remember, but just that night was incredible. That was potentially like the best night of my life uh, spent on the internet. Just all, so many funny memes, so many so many good takes. Uh, yeah, um, you know. I had a really good week once in June of like 2013. Oh yeah. What, what was, do you remember what was uh what was so good? Oh. Uh Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> I was just having a fun time. It was just a fun week. Uh yeah, that was a good week. Otherwise, a lot of weeks not that good. I had a good week in Thailand in like 2015. Uh we're just like the, I was staying at the, in this small town up in the mountains. Just met a lot of cool people. Didn't really have anything to do all week, so I just kind of hung out and like went on little, little adventures, and you know, m made a bunch of friends. Got a tattoo, and ate ate lasagna that was served on a banana leaf, which was really fucking cool. Um, yeah, I think that was my best week yet. Um, so far, so far, this week's pretty good too. Um, okay, Kennedy, do you remember your own best week yet? 
by chance? Uh, nope. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Maybe it just hasn't happened yet. Um, he um, they signed an NDA about it. Actually, actually, uh, in in like uh, uh, in like 2017, there was this period of time where I had a decent amount of money in my bank account and very little responsibilities. And for a few months, I just took a lot of drugs and had a lot of fun. And I'd say probably one of those weeks could have been. Yeah. Yeah. No, there are a few better combinations than lots of money and no responsibilities. <laughs> you can't really beat it. Um, the rich don't know how to live. They they get rich and they're like, I need to have 20 different things to worry about. Like, no, dude, you, you don't, you can get away without worrying about anything. You fucked up. Why would you yeah, be a landlord? Fuck you. <laughs> by lots of money, by the way, I just mean like a couple of grand, but it was a lot for me at the time. And, uh, I think, you know, it definitely made me be like, damn, I wish I was rich. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For I've sure. been all the time. My um, brief stint is a thousand air. <laughs> Showed me how the other side lives. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, rich has a different definition whenever you've never been rich. You can have, like, $500 that you don't need to spend on anything, and you're like, I'm fucking loaded, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Every yeah. other Tuesday, I'm payday rich until mm -hmm. bills are coming out. <laughs> but I'm like, wow, look at all this money. And then I'm like, bye-bye. I tried to do a joke about, uh, like, a stand-up bit about uh, people that say money can't buy happiness don't know what it's like to see a comma in your bank account for the first time in five years. Um, but, yeah, it never worked. I guess it's it didn't work now either. I guess I need to go back to the drawing board. Uh, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Andrea had another couple questions here. Um, these are just simple ones, though. She asked, how do you decide what news to cover? Um and what are your favorite outlets to tap into for what's going on in the world? Uh, the outlet that I usually use, I do a couple things. Um, there's this thing on theweek.com that they do the top 10 stories of every day. So I'll look at those. Um, and then I'll go over to, what the fuck is it? The Daily Beast. They have like this aggregator that just pulls headlines from like diff all different parts of the internet. And that's where I find a lot of the weirder stories that aren't like, you know, like the stories about elephants trampling their owners and shit. That that's usually where I find shit like that or just random stuff that people share on Twitter. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, and then Andrea also asked, where do we, you typically record, uh, in the winter, we record at my house, Deanna comes over and, uh, and in the summer we go to her house cause she has air conditioning. I did have a comma that one time. I had a comma just for a little while. A comma? In my bank account. Oh, okay. I was like, what? <laughs> it let me get that, that air conditioning. Oh, okay. I was like, how are these things? <laughs> I'm stupid. Folks, you know how dumb I am, and you stick with us every week, and for that, I am grateful. So, hey, that's I all the emails, I think. Let me double check. Let me make sure I didn't skip over something. I, I get my news from like whatever is traumatizing enough of my clients that they're all talking about it. Ooh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, like word of mouth is a great way to like, uh, even if you just hear people talking about something, then you end up Googling it and being like, wow, 
these motherfuckers had no idea what they were talking about. And then you come on the show and I'm saying the same thing. <laughs> Basically. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's the mailbag. Send us an email anytime you like. We might read it uh, every other year or so. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So, Kennedy, Deanna, um, happy Halloween, by the way. This episode is coming out on uh, our Lord Jack Skellington's birthday. Uh, so, happy Halloween to both of you and to all you listeners. Boo, scary. Spooky. <laughs> uh, do you, do, are, are the two of you, either of you, dressing up for Halloween? Um... No, I like thinking of costume ideas more than I like executing a costume. Also, whenever I do a costume, it's just like an essence of the costume. Like in my heart, I want to go all out and have like an awesome costume. But my executive function or dysfunction does not allow for that. And so... uh Instead, I just wear regular clothes items that give the vibe-ish okay. of a costume. Okay. Kennedy, how about you? You you getting decked out? Uh, you know, I've had a lot of financial problems lately. True, true. So uh, I was going to, like, spend, like, $200 on a fancy Halloween costume at one point in my mind. And now I'm like, yeah, I'll probably buy vampire fangs or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I am going to dress up as Reply Guy Fieri, which I think is a pretty good idea. But I don't know if it'll work at all. One year I spent like hours making this costume where I dressed up as Pat Benatar, but then I also did like whiskers and cat ears. So I was Cat Benatar. And I went to this Halloween party and like, not only did nobody get it, but whenever I told them what I was, they still didn't get it. And I was so fucking, (laughs) (laughs) I put, I like spent an entire day, like frilling the bottom of a shirt. And like, I was wearing leg warmers and all that shit. I was so stoked and just fucking fell so flat. Um, So I'm thinking I'll just like get a shirt with flames on it. And then also like, cut out speech bubbles with like fire emoji reacts reply guy fieri one time i tried to dress up as mona lisa Vito from my cousin Vinny, and everyone was like dude you're just wearing your regular clothes <laughs> like everyone was like this is not a this is i don't what what's the costume and i was like come on it's more it's more than usual and it, <laughs> It it was apparently not. I really. Damn. I also I wanted to be Deborah Vance from Hacks for Halloween. Have either of you seen Hacks? No. Uh. Um. Well, she's this like uh old lady comedian that like has like a Las Vegas residency, and she's like you know she's old rich like she's been in it since the seventies or whatever. So she's got like all these like ridiculous luxurious items and like robes and sparkly shit but she's like an old lady so it's like you know shoulder pads and chunky uh necklaces and stuff and i'm like this would be in a great costume but also like i don't even know where to start looking for shit like this that is like not actually expensive and uh i also don't know how to do makeup and she wore like that that like old glamour lady makeup that it would have been very tough to pull off but you know it's the thought that counts it's the thought that counts. Hell yeah. 
Well, um, without further ado, we're going to get into the, the meat and potatoes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed your appetizers, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> we, we are here today. Um, I don't eat meat. Can I substitute the meat for something else? Like with my potatoes, could I get like maybe just like two rolls on the side of vegetables? Um, no, uh, no. We we if you you have to clean your plate or you have to tip five hundred percent. I don't know. I've never run a restaurant. Of course, you 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 can have some. We'll bring you out potatoes and ice cubes. I don't know. <laughs> That's basically the diet I'm actually on. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. We are here today to review the film American Psycho 2. Uh, I believe 1999 is when this movie came out. At least that was the year it was in the movie. Uh, this, wow, what, what, a, what a masterpiece. <laughs> this movie was ridiculous. It went Actually, the movie came out in 2002. What? Why was it... <laughs> I don't know why they said it exactly three years in the past, but that does not make sense to me. Very little about this movie makes sense to me, honestly. Um, I don't know why this exists. So, you know, most people have seen American Psycho. It's a award-winning film. Um, it it got a like direct a DVD sequel, which that doesn't typically happen. Like, it's so weird that they were like. Yeah, there's this huge like multi, you know blockbuster like critically acclaimed movie, and the very next one is like you can get it on VHS. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's only very thinly tied to the um, tied to the original, and uh, it's just bizarre. I I wish this would happen more often, just because it's so funny. I would. I would argue. What if there was a sequel to to Cronenberg's Crash? I've never seen just, Crash. But it's just it's a movie about getting horny about car crashes. It's yeah, very yeah, yeah. dark. It's extremely dark. Okay, that's all you really need to know. Um, <laughs> uh, I appreciated that they did this because, like, to me, mm-hmm. as a young woman in the in the early aughts, from a representation standpoint. It was important to me to know that, like, I, too, could be a psycho. Like, being an American psycho <laughs> is not just for boys. It is not just for the Wall Street elite. It is not just for the conventionally handsome. Shatter so, that glass American psycho ceiling. <laughs> right. It is also for, you know, college-bound girls. And I really like that. I appreciated that. So, I just um, want to... I just want I think you're forgetting though she was a cop. <laughs> she was a cop. Yes, A cab <laughs> includes American Psycho too. Um so I just want to I I did I did like kind of write down like the the point the play by play of this movie. So I want to go through this a little bit. The movie is introduced with like a 10 minute long fucking like setting everything up dialogue scene or not dialogue exposition and voiceover. It, it got to the point where like <laughs> I was like, why is this still going on? She was telling this story for so long. Uh, the first thing is, so we find out Mila Kunis, our main character, killed Patrick Bateman uh, because he killed her babysitter. <laughs> and, like, She murders this man who 
was uh, with her babysitter, and then she says she got away with it because they couldn't tie her to the scene. So we are like three minutes into this movie, and already this makes absolutely no fucking sense. This babysitter would have, like, the parents of her, her parents would have been like, oh, that was our babysitter that got killed while she was supposed to be babysitting our kid. The kid should have been there. Like, there's no way she wouldn't be tied to the scene. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like she was such a, like, she was such a sociopath. What I assumed happened was, like, she told her parents something and they never said anything to the police. Like, regardless of what she told them, I don't think she told them she did murder. But then when she said that her parents emotionally wrote her off, I thought maybe she did tell them she did murder. Yeah, I don't, I feel like, like I said, like she was the, like the 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 fact that her babysitter got murdered would have been on the news like this, uh, William Shatner, the FBI profiler, went and looked at this like was deeply involved in this case she he would know that this woman who was a babysitter he would speak to like there's no way nobody would come and fucking talk to her it's crazy um but hey nothing about this movie is gonna make more sense from here just to be clear about how this goes like you're not wrong kennedy because the very next thing that happens is we flash forward um mila kunis says the next six years were a blur she also says i busted my ass in high school and maintained a perfect 4.0 gpa when you're in the middle of a blur you are not doing all your fucking homework (laughs) actually i found i found that part somewhat relatable okay Maybe, maybe it, it just, and she was like also saying like, my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was like, disp-, and I'm like, okay, we meet her parents later. I think she was lying. I don't think they were that bad at all. <laughs> like, yeah. I think she was just lying about some of this stuff. In fact, she probably didn't get a 4.0 GPA. She probably killed some kid that had a 4.0 GPA. <laughs> I mean, in the world of, in the, in the world of writing, there is such a such a thing as utilizing an unreliable narrator as a plot device. Yeah. So that seems like what's happening here. It is, but like I feel like it was just enough that like I don't I don't fully know if that was intentional. Like it it, it uh, by the end of the movie you do feel like wait, was she lying about some of this stuff? But like the, an unreliable narrator, you're supposed to like kind of I don't know. If it, it felt like if that's what they were specifically trying to do, they did not execute it well. Like, because like you 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 didn't know not to believe her until like three quarters of the movie was over. You just thought she was like some you know sociopath, but you didn't realize oh this voiceover that where she explained everything she could have been making half of this up. Um, I mean, anybody who tells a story where they were a child and did murder and then just like went home and was chilling, like I feel that that to me immediately signified an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Um, I mean, unreliable to the people that exist within the story, but in then I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't give a fuck either way. Um, I, I think, it, I think it was fine as a device. It's just that the story is so nonsensical that <clears throat> it's just like the problem with having an unreliable narrator in a story this stupid is that it just really makes it hard to even like keep track of what's going on whatsoever. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so next she she goes to her first day of college or something. Or no, she's in college and she's in her uh criminal uh her fucking criminal justice criminology. criminology class. Um William Shatner is her teacher. They're doing a big lesson on serial killer nicknames, which is I'm sure the kind of thing very that they important. do classes on. Yeah, um, very important. Fun side note, two days later in the course of this movie, they were still talking about serial killer nicknames. So like this is this isn't just a class. This is like a week long. They're like talking about the nicknames. This is a whole section. Um, so she wants to become the new teachers. Yes. Can I can I just point out something really important to how we frame our thinking of this movie that I wanted to mention earlier? Of course. Uh this movie costs like almost ten times as much to make as the first American (laughs) Psycho. (laughs) <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> on what <laughs> william shatner that's probably what um yeah i just i just said you'd want to know that so she wants to become the newest teacher's assistant for william shatner after um liz mcguire lizzie mcguire leaves and so she's talking about she has this. Oh wait, I I'm sorry. It was not quite as much as I said, but it's twice as much. It's it shouldn't. I don't know. Like there's no there isn't even more. effects in this movie. Like it really, it shouldn't be more. <laughs> like this could have been a Lifetime movie. This should have been aired with commercials on the Lifetime movie network. <laughs> I figured in the original American Psycho, like a lot of the budget had to go to licensing all that music, like Genesis and shit. Mm-hmm. Um. And and in this one, most of the soundtrack is one quirky, jaunty Nickelodeon style tune that they play over and over again for 60 percent of the movie. Yeah. Um. So Mila, she says that she's she's got this she's got competition for who's going to be the next teacher's assistant. Um. There is uh one kid Brian whose family donates a bunch of money. There's some dude who's like just kind of a nerd named Keith, and then there is the student that William Shatner is banging, Cassandra. Um. So this is this is Mila's uh competition. So finally, we get our first scene of the movie that isn't her talking over stuff and it's just a scene that plays out she goes to the guidance counselor and so much voiceover she delivers her application to be be the teacher's assistant and the guidance counselor tells her like hey like you know you're a freshman that we don't let freshmen be teacher's assistants which is like you know i understand that there's arbitrary rules in college and whatnot but like that kind of makes sense how the fuck are you supposed to assist whenever you this is your first semester like i don't know it, it's not, it doesn't seem like that big of a of a deal breaker or like something she should have been that mad about. Also, like you're gonna be at this college for four more years. Like you can still have plenty of opportunities to be the teacher's assistant. I don't know. Uh, but Mila Kunis, she she then decides to murder this guidance counselor. <laughs> well, she doesn't. She what? didn't murder the guidance counselor. Yeah, she did. Here's the thing: is that Deanna, I know what you're thinking because. When it happened on screen, I was like, oh, Mila Kunis did it. The next scene is that Brian, the rich kid, comes to her apartment and tells her that he th- he knows for sure that Gertrude is uh, the, the guidance counselor is not going to be a problem anymore, which implies, wait, did Brian kill the guidance counselor? But this movie is just that bad that it's like it didn't <laughs> like 
it, it showed us think something that we thought was one thing. Then it was like, oh, maybe it's this other thing. And then it never really technically circled back to tell us whether it was one thing or the other thing. It just really briefly fakes us out about this, about this stuff. Yeah. And uh, but it doesn't do a good job of being like, no, we faked you out. It just like keeps moving on and never like tells us, hey, that was her. Or that was so also, it doesn't make this like a big mystery of the movie. Like, no. yes, they they very briefly keep you wondering, oh, is she really the killer for like one mm -hmm. second? And then it's just like, no, she's the killer. That's the movie. Yeah. Um. And again, like I, I thought like that it was after that next scene that it was the rich kid. But like. I don't know. It, it the movie just did that bad of a job. <laughs> like it's very strange, but yeah. So, um, she she kill whoever kills this old lady, and um, then he goes to her dorm room and asks asks her to they should form an alliance in order to get this teacher's assistant spot. Which like if it's only one spot, what the fuck is an alliance going to do? I don't understand. Um, and he asks her on a date. Ooh, so. Then she goes and talks to Cassandra, who says she's going up to William Shatner's ca cabin for spring break, um, but that he is also going to be spending time with his wife and kids. Uh-oh, Shatner is a bad, bad man. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. So Mila in... He's just a regular bad man. I wouldn't say a bad, bad man. Just like, come on, dude. Well... Um, he did. I think the the worst part about this was uh, uh, that it just felt like William Shatner is a little bit of a creepy guy. Mm -hmm. um, here he is, like sniffing girls' hair, Joe Biden style. <laughs> it just felt weird to watch. I would argue he also is a bad man because he found uh, a dead body and didn't tell anybody but his therapist. And his therapist is a bad <laughs> therapist because he didn't tell the cops. Like, there's a lot of bads, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Mila and the rich kid, they go on their little date, um, and he offers her a seven digits bribe to turn down the TA position, which is insane. Like I know there's he's, it's implied that this kid is really rich, but... Se what seven digits is at least ten million dollars, right? Is that the no seven digits is at least one million dollars. At least one million dollars. Okay. Which is which is a pretty crazy bribe and which also is approximately like nine hundred ninety-nine thousand dollars <laughs> more than was appropriate for the circumstances. Yeah. Um, like I don't care how rich your family is, like even if you're multi multi billionaires, offering somebody a million dollars is like still pretty ridiculous. Um, also, like, the only justification just that the movie makes for this is like if you get this teaching assistant job under William Shatner, you're pretty much guaranteed a job in the FBI. So, <laughs> you know, but it's like that's not worth a million dollars. Like, but also. <laughs> The government loves a bribe, so like, why wouldn't his dad just have bought him a job at the FBI? That yeah. is how it actually should be working in this scenario. Yes, it, he should. He should not have to try that hard. Come on. Yeah. Um. So she brings him back to her room after their date, and then strangles him to death with a common condom. 
and she says, uh, she's do she goes back to doing more voiceover, and she's like, yeah, I killed Brian, but if I get in the FBI, I could stop countless serial killers. It's like, you are a serial killer, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, then, then the next scene is she has a therapy appointment, which this... I, I understand why they needed to have a therapist in the movie to like, you know, for what happens with the plot going forward. But like, I want to know why she was in therapy in the first place. She does not at all seem like the type of person that would go to therapy by her own choice. Like, I don't know why she went there um, to begin with. It, it was very, yeah, I was like, I was like, did I miss a part where the court mandated this yeah. or something? <laughs> like, it, it it just it makes no sense why she would be there in the first place uh and she has this like very standoffish fucking thing where she's like one of the first things she tells the therapist is like i would never show somebody my achilles heel it's like what like <laughs> it is it, it, it very weird and then there was like all these like uh cross dissolves of her telling her whole story of how she like she basically just did the first 10 minutes of the movie over again but to her therapist um very <laughs> very strange and then after she leaves the therapist calls William Shatner and he's like I've identified one of your students as a textbook sociopath and William Shatner's like well these days it seems like a prerequisite to go to college which I I like that line a lot like what the fuck um but yeah then mila kunis walks back in and she's like oh is that your mother on the phone it's like it becomes well, very she didn't say that she walked back in and he was nervous that she caught him talking about her so he pretended he was on the phone with his mother of his own volition yeah. let's not accuse mila kunis of additional crimes here she did enough actual crimes yes well it does become funny later because like she keeps referencing his mother and then his mother is in the movie like it, it it's very fun but yeah um she leaves and then she goes out for a little run which i wanted to, i wrote this down because i don't know if yin's noticed this in the scenes where she was jogging she looked like a person who was trying running for the first time. Like her, <laughs> her arms were doing weird. Shit. Her legs weren't going up all the way. It was like very strange. I was like, "Why? How did they get her to do this so unnaturally?" There's no way Mila Kunis, the actress, has never run somewhere before. Like, it was very strange. Like, I want to know if the director was like, "Can you do that a little less competently?" And she's like, y "You mean jog?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Look like you look like you're trying it for the first time. Very weird. Jog more badly. Yeah. <laughs> um, then she goes to a party at the Dean's mansion and runs into Cassandra, who asks about her date. Now, this is the part in the movie where I'm like, wait a minute, like she's not she's she's really bad at crime because she's like, oh, it ended early. And then Cassandra's like, well, why did you come to my room and ask for a condom? Which, like, Mila Kunis would have known that she did that before she lied about it ending early. <laughs> like, what? And then, and then Mila gets mad and shuts, the, shuts it down. She's like, don't worry about it. And then <laughs> Mila asked Cassandra what she did the night before. And she was like, oh, the professor came over for a study session, which... If Mila went to her room to get a condom, the professor would have been there. Like, th those two things cannot be... <laughs> like, are either of these people aware of what they are saying in the... It's, who the fuck wrote this movie? 
Um, and then she kills Cassandra and makes it look like a fake suicide. <laughs> she's just she's just killing everybody at this point. Um, then she goes back to the therapist to tell him that she is done going to therapy. And she's like doing this like weird psychological warfare with him. And I don't I don't understand the reason. She's like, you know, trying to spar back and forth with him and like he's clearly like he can figure out that she's fucked up. He's not sure to the extent of it, but like he's also like a little scared of it. And it's like I don't understand why she is doing this. Like you know, it, it does she want to get caught but then get away with it still? Like I don't I don't get it. But she's she's just gotta kill a lot of people. Uh, so she goes to class the next day. They're still talking about serial killer nicknames. Uh, it's the only thing written on the board. This is supposed to be like three days later. <laughs> and um, she schools uh, the other, the Keith dude running for the teacher's assistant position about Ted Bundy. And then uh, she asks a question to William Shatner. How would you categorize a killer whose downward spiral was a part of their plan? Which is like, so you're asking a question about how he would categorize you as a serial killer? Like, what, 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 what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, but Shatner shuts her down and is like, we only talk about things that have already happened, uh, not, you know, speculate. And, uh, and then Keith smiles that William Shatner embarrassed her. And uh, so she kills him. <laughs> but not but not before admiring his art, which yes. was also a little psycho. Yes, yes. She was staring over her sh his shoulder, looking at his little doodles, and she's like, oh, what a shame that this guy has to die, but mm, killing him. Um, also, we see later that he, she just left his body in the library, which she just, some of these bodies she disposes of, some of them she drags away, some of them she just leaves where they are, and nobody finds out about it for days. Like... <laughs> so fucking strange i mean in that way it is kind of like the original movie yeah i haven't seen the original in 15 years i don't remember did he just the don't forget they were on spring break mm. that's a good point um it, it just felt like a very like i will give it the credit that it was like it was trying to mirror something about the original movie in a way i think where like uh, Christian Bale's character was like at a certain point he's almost desperate to be caught because he starts to feel like he's going crazy mm. like and he starts to wonder like how many murders he's actually committed in terms of like is it way more than I think or is it maybe even less than I think because there's like one of the people even like contradicts him and says that somebody that he's sure that he's killed is still alive at the end and shit and it's like getting inside his head because it's like nobody seems to take the idea seriously that he could be killing people no matter how ridiculous it gets. Hmm. Uh, I gotta and go back so, and watch it. Yeah, uh, but there's that whole part where he tells someone, like someone asks what he does and he says murders and something and the person's just like, oh, mergers and acquisitions? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I need to go back and see it. Um, yeah, so she kills Keith. And then uh, the next scene is Shatner, William Shatner finds Cassandra's body and he removes all the evidence that was planted to make it look like the suicide was something inspired by him. It Like he dusts for fingerprints. He takes the note. He takes the pictures of them together. He did leave a card up on the wall that was signed by him. So I, I noticed that on screen. I don't know if it was intentional or just a poorly made movie. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll be back in 10 minutes if you're still here. If not, have fun. Okay. <laughs> 
So, uh, Deanna, it's just us now. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, so let me see what happened next. Um, yeah, it was, this is why whenever you said like, uh, that you weren't, you didn't know if William Shatner was that bad of a guy. Like he, the fact that he like did this whole thing to like clean up this crime scene or like, you know, I, I, I feel like at that point, like if somebody's dead, you, you should call the police or something if you find their oh, body. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Oh, and then he calls us. He calls to explain why he had a key to her room, what he was doing there, et cetera, and so on. Yeah, yeah. And then he calls his therapist, and it was so weird that they did this scene where, like, he tells the therapist that the student they were talking about, the sociopath, is dead, and like they don't realize that they're talking about different people. Like, I don't understand why they use that plot device at this point. They were like. Oh yeah, yeah the 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 crazy girl. Oh yeah, I know which crazy girl you're talking about. And like, just we're talking about different people. It was very weird that they did this whole like this this like. There's always like mysteries within mysteries in this movie that like don't need to be there. I feel like, uh, but it, it it was strange. It was like this this whole like oh we don't realize that we're we're talking about different people. Like, but you as the audience, you get it. You get it. Um, but then comes the big day, Deanna. The teacher's assistant assistant position is going to be announced. It's the last day before spring break. And Lizzie McGuire comes in, and she says that the, the position has been canceled. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Cancel culture, even in the early aughts. <laughs> this might have been the birth of cancel culture. Um, <laughs> was anybody canceled before that, before 2002? Gravy, look that up. Gravy? Nah, she ain't doing shit. So Mila then puts on Cassandra's dress and necklace and then goes to seduce William Shatner. Again, like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, this, it's so weird. Like, she just puts on Cassandra's stuff and is like, I know what to do. And then she, like, she's telling him, like, I've always loved you. And she just explains that she has been involved in this plot since the time that she killed Patrick Bateman and he was, like, the FBI investigator, which is, like, why are you adding this complexity to the backstory? Like, I, it's, it was very frustrating. I'm like, this movie is just throwing so much shit at me all at once. And uh, what I didn't understand was the part where she like briefly tried to pretend like the two of them had a relationship. Yeah. Like I didn't like she was saying, like, I've loved you since then. But like the way the movie was showing us those scenes of like her as a kid, like looking up the story in the newspaper, I was like, Wait, did she actually have a crush on him? Like, is she telling the truth that she's in love with him? Like, it's very unclear. Um, I guess it's not that I have an issue with the narrator in a movie to to be an unreliable narrator. It's like the writer of this movie. The writer of the movie is also kind of unreliable narrating. So yeah, I can deal with it if it's just the person on screen that I'm not sure what to believe. But like, I'm not sure what the the actions on screen mean or like what characters are doing in places um yeah, like, what's your plan here with this i did like that like clara the babysitter was william shatner's original mistress and that's why the patrick bateman case fucked him up so bad yeah yeah um yeah that that is that isn't like but again like d does that was Mila Kunis telling the truth that she developed feelings for him at that point? Like, oh, I'm very confused. But 
Um, then she, <laughs> Shatner is also like having his entire mind blown by this thing. And then she blows him a kiss and he falls out of a window. <laughs> and then as she's going to like put his body in the car and she says hi to a janitor. The next scene we see is the janitor's dead body in a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> which is like what the fuck she put a mop through his head and then, like just threw him in the dumpster cool dude uh Dead men have no tails <laughs> fair she then gets into her car with and sits william shatner's body up front in the front seat like in full view of anybody uh but don't worry she <laughs> immediately gets uh speeds out of the college parking lot and a security officer stops her and she backs up and goes up to him and she then kills him <laughs> like, and she ends up leaving him in the booth like the entrance to the parking lot with his hand like uh stabbed through into the wall so it looks like he's waving at people that walk in or drive in and like somebody even drives by him later and they're like wave to him and he's like he's in perfect light like there's light inside of the little booth he's sitting in like you can see that he's covered in blood (laughs) like wait but we missed the whole part about her parents oh no i got it i got it um so after she leaves there and kills the security guard she makes an appointment with the therapist and he freaks out because william shatner just told him that she killed herself and then her parents show up to her fucking dorm room and they're like, it smells like dead body in here. <laughs> Which, have you ever smelled a decomposing body, Deanna? Yes. Like, even after, like, 12 hours, it is such a strong smell and it is it unmistakably a, a corpse. Like, there is no other smell that I've ever smelled like it. Um, and like, for them to be... For her to be like, yeah, you know, the bathroom's just a little messed up. Like, no, like, that's fucking, it's, there's no way. And I, I always think about that too in movies whenever like somebody walks into a room where there's a dead body and they don't realize there's a dead body till they stumble over it. Like if you open the door to a room where there's a corpse, that is the first thing you're like, there's a corpse in here. (laughs) Like you're not missing that scent. Um, But yeah, so she, she rushes her parents out of her dorm room they're gonna go um they're gonna go to dinner later and she tells her th- therapist that she's got a, she wants to make an appointment for 3 p.m the dinner's at 5 30 so we see the therapist in his office like looking at the clock waiting to see if he she'll come in she never comes in so he 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 goes out to dinner with his mom and she they end up at the same restaurant that mila kunis and her parents are at and he goes up to her and uh, or she goes up to his, him and his mom and like again like i don't know why this movie is like <laughs> whenever he was describing his mom earlier in the movie it sounded like he was just making up a story and then whenever she brought up brought it up afterwards it again sounded like he was just pretending to like you know take care of his sick mom or whatever but then no he actually does take care of his sick mom <laughs> like he took her out to his dinner and like <laughs> it's I don't understand why everything has to be like, wait, did that mean anything? Or what? Like, we have yeah, no- like, they kept trying to assign meaning to things that were meaningless. Yes. And, uh, yeah, again, like, 
I can I can deal with it with it if a character doesn't have their facts straight, but it the writer does not seem to have his facts straight. Like what is fact and what is fiction? And uh it it, it you know, it, it ends up being fun though. Like his mom's like, Oh, who is that? Your new girlfriend? <laughs> She's like twenty years younger than him. Like, yeah, whatever. Um, then he goes over to her, uh, to Mila Kunis and her parents, which again, her parents seem like a little high strung, but totally fine. They seem like fine, normal people, like not the, the way that she described them earlier. Um, she goes up or he goes up to her and he calls her by the name that he understands to be her name. And whenever she gets up to, and leaves, her dad is like, what did he call her? So we're like, uh oh who is this again? <laughs> so she's okay. She's faking her identity. Great. Another layer of intrigue of mystery. Exactly what this movie needed. Um, so he, he like pulls her aside and he's like, what's going on? Uh, you know, I heard that you were dead. And she's like, no, Cassandra's the one who's dead, which right then this therapist should have known that known that he, that she killed Cassandra. <laughs> like he's like really like nonchalant about, Oh, okay. What? Like he's confused, but he's he knows she's a sociopath. He fears that she might be violent. She knows that somebody's dead that there nobody has gone to the police about. How do you not know that she killed her? <laughs> like plot holes. Plot holes galore. So the the therapist, he goes to William Shatner's office and it's a mess. He starts thinking, wait a minute, what if something's wrong? So he goes to the police to file a missing persons report. Um, and the cops are like, oh, yeah, that's the third one this year. Um, there was this old lady who's the guidance counselor at the school and Rachel Newman. And it's like, oh, my God. And then we see flashbacks of Mila Kunis killing this random orphan girl at her school and stealing her identity. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't understand. What's that? Okay. So here was a part that got me. When she called her parents from the college and was like, I know I've been out of touch for a while, but I got into this school. So, like, if she had just graduated high school, what, how had she been out of touch with her parents? Yeah, and did she have, okay, so she mentions that she has maintained a perfect 4.0 GPA, which again, she could be lying, but she, whenever she says that to other people, like when she says that to the guidance counselor or the teacher or like the other students, anybody could be like, no, you didn't like, we know what your grades are. And like, <laughs> it's all falling apart. <laughs> it should either be. <laughs> also, they said that Rachel Newman was reported missing by some of her friends. Yes. He was a freshman. What friends? Or if these friends knew her enough to report her missing, what <laughs> they would know that Mila Kunis isn't her. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like what? Like she, they call the cops like, hey, uh, have you seen like any updates on the person that we were looking for? Oh yeah, we found her. She's in her room. And then they go to the room and like, you're not Rachel. Then you go back to the police and you're like, hey, this is a different person. <laughs> or there were just ne- like those are bad friends. <laughs> Honestly, I appreciate the accurate representation of police work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because truly, I believe that if a group of people went to the police and was like, a college girl is missing. 
It was. They would do about as much as they did, which was go and knock on the door and then be like, yeah, that answer will suffice. Yeah, I think the only thing that would have been more accurate is if um, the policeman that went to her door would have made like extremely inappropriate sexually suggestive comments to her. Um, I think that that would have been uh, the icing on top. Uh, or like, you know, uh, if you ever need anything, you, you can call me directly. You know, I'll come right by, uh, whether it's police matter or otherwise. Um <laughs> So I guess I should be a creepy cop for Halloween. I was like a little too good at that voice. <laughs> I didn't like that at all. No, no, no. So Mila is then like, she's putting together the final pieces of her plan, which again, this is like a very well thought out plan. But like, if this was her plan from the beginning, it's it this this couldn't have been her plan from the beginning that she killed me she killed the actual rachel months ago and then saved her body so that she could put it into a car with william shatner and pretend that she died like th- that couldn't have been part of the plan to get the quantico membership or like the teacher's assistant position like she she knows that if she killed william shatner she wouldn't be able to be the teacher's assistant so like she laid the groundwork for this plan that wasn't what the plan was at the end like Hold on. Okay. Because she wanted to become the teacher's assistant. Mm. And I think that killing William Shatner was always part of the plan. You do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, that doesn't, I don't think, I don't know because like if, if she if William Shatner's dead, there's no teacher to be the assistant to. Right, but she was never going to be the teacher's assistant. She didn't actually want to do that. She wanted to kill Lizzie McGuire and take her place. So the person who would have known that she wasn't Liz- Elizabeth McGuire was William Shatner. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess as long as Lizzie McGuire didn't have any other friends or family, but. Look, I'm just saying. <laughs> this plan is insane, but uh, she she pulled it off, I guess. But <laughs> she... her downward spiral was her plan. Yeah. Um, it's strange that. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. You know what? So she gets Rachel's body out from her closet. She puts it in the car with Shatner's corpse. And then she goes to leave just as the police are getting there. And then she ends up being in a high-speed chase in her, like, Toyota Celica or whatever. Her little Camry. I loved loved the cop trying to write the other cop a speeding ticket while they were in a high-speed chase. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, what? Is that 70 and a 35? That's a $170 ticket. <laughs> it was 65 and a 30, and the ticket was $275, but yes. Okay. Look at the big brain on Dean Dean over there. Okay. <laughs> so the things that I remember. So she uh she gets in this chase and then she pulls over. The cops finally get her to stop. And then just as they approach her vehicle, which they were already knocking on the window, they should have noticed that there was a dead body inside. They didn't seem to have anything to say about it. Um, just as they get up to her car, she speeds off again. 
And so we see that um, this place, uh, what the fuck was it? It was like uh, Dead Man's Curve or something. I can't remember what the, uh, Old Mill Bend was a half a mile away from where she was. So, you know, a half a mile is not very far. In just the time it takes for the cops to get back in their car and continue pursuit, she's able to set up the car, take the body of Rachel out of the trunk and put it into the driver's seat and hit like position William Shatner's body up on a guardrail so that they, when the cops finally do catch up to her, like I said, a half a mile down the road, she has set this Rube Goldberg machine of the car flying down and hitting William Shatner and going over the cliff and bursting into flames. Um, this is in a elaborate plan, which again, the, the cops just barely crossed paths with her. If she like, if, and she didn't wait for the cops to get there before she left the school. She was just leaving and happened to cross paths with the police. Like she would have had to know that the police were there for, (laughs) she's either the best at planning or the most lucky, or this movie is insane. Um, but you know what? I'm going to say the movie's definitely insane. Um, the last, for an early 2000s comedy horror movie or like comedy thriller, I feel like all of this checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it, it hurt my brain. Uh, so then the movie essentially ends. We see these like news reports of like, oh, Rachel Newman killed all these people. Oh, these were her victims. One victim was found just in the library, sitting there, chilling, like YOLO. Um, and then we jump forward two years. And what do we see? But the therapist is doing a book signing at FBI Quantico's fucking training program or whatever. Which is like, it's very weird to be doing a book signing at a a fucking like FBI building or something. It's very strange. I don't get it. But uh, I think he was doing like a guest lecture. Okay. Yeah. And Um, then signing books at the end. The guest lecture part makes sense. The signing books at a lecture is, I don't know. It, it, It was like. They were trying to do two different things with one scene. It, I don't know. It, that scene would have worked just fine in a bookstore, I think. Um, but I don't know. So uh, as he's sitting there signing books, uh, he gets a, a, a young woman comes up to him and hands him a copy of her book. And he looks up and says, who should I make this out to? And she says, uh, Lizzie McGuire or like Elizabeth McGuire. We keep saying Lizzie, but, you know, you know why, listener. And it is. Mila Kunis, and it is obviously Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis is the whole time. (laughs) Hello, Kennedy. (laughs) We are just at the end of the movie. Um, Mila Kunis hands the therapist a copy of his book to sign and says, "Make it out to Lizzie McGuire." And then he does it, and he is bewildered. But he's also like, "Was that her?" (laughs) It's like, yes, obviously it was her. (laughs) It was very obviously her. Like, you know that she's a sociopath and that she's done these weird conniving plots. Like, of course she would fake her own death. What the fuck do you... Could it possibly be? Yes! (laughs) And then the movie's over. Uh, American Psycho... Finally over. Can I just say... Yes. Since I missed 
I mean, I was here the whole time, uh, but I was uh, suspiciously silent earlier. And uh, Kennedy was making faces on uh, this entire time. I'm sorry for the <laughs> listeners that this is just an audio medium. Um, but uh, when she kills William Shatner, me and my friends that I was watching this with, we all checked to see is how much of this movie could there possibly be left? And we were shocked to see that there was like 25 minutes <laughs> left of the movie and everything all all of the ending of this movie is so completely off the wall and like goofy and weird and dumb and by the time it actually ends you're just like your mind is numb yeah here's what Here's what Deanna and I were discussing while you were um, still here, but making faces. You were making faces that were so intense you couldn't even hear us. I um, couldn't speak because the faces <laughs> were so intense. <laughs> um, so I thought that it was strange that this plan that she had unleashed uh, to become the teacher's assistant, and you know, which would get her a fast track into Quantico's training program at the FBI, that. It seemed like her plan from the beginning was to kill William Shatner, which that did like that's why she still had the body of the original Rachel Newman is because like months prior to this, she set in place this plan where she was going to kill William Shatner and make and kill a bunch of other people and make it look like Rachel Newman did it and then steal Lizzie McGuire's identity too and like she would have had to kill Lizzie McGuire to take that spot, but Lizzie McGuire's friends and family would also know that that wasn't her. Like it, it just seems like her plan worked, but I, it's I don't think that it, like I don't know. It's very confusing that this is that this was all part of her plan. The funniest part about the Rachel Newman stuff is when she's just like talking at Rachel Newman before she kills her. Yeah. Like, I love your hair and your name. <laughs> like Rachel Newman's just sitting there, like obviously uncomfortable. Like it could almost be like one of those memes where people are at a party and one of them doesn't want to talk to the other person. And it's just like, this is your plan is to just like berate some lonely girl with no parents and then kill her, and then pin a bunch of stuff on her, and then, okay, yeah. The perfect plan. It worked. Um, so, yes, that was American Psycho 2. Two American, two Psycho. Uh, this has been fun. Uh, would, uh, oh, uh, Deanna, would you recommend this movie to a friend or an enemy? Uh, an enemy, sure. A friend depends on the friend. <laughs> would you recommend this movie to me? <laughs> Probably, but only because I want you to suffer just as much as I do in life. Hell yeah. That's why we go way back, buddy. Uh, Kennedy, how about you? Friend or enemy? Uh, I would recommend this to an enemy. Yeah. I would recommend it to an enemy or with friends. This, is, this would be probably a fun movie to watch with a couple people that were screaming, it, what the fuck? It, I, I, I watched it exactly like that, and I can say it was okay, but... I've watched much better movies for that purpose. Oh, okay, okay. 
I would say even Lamb was much more hilarious with a group of people. Oh God, Lamb. Um, that, that feels like fucking three months ago. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I... yeah, Lamb came out in 1998. <laughs> when is this email from? <laughs> um, all right. Deanna Kennedy, thank you for joining me. Um, do you, would you like to plug anything before we get out of here? No. <laughs> uh, I just want to say that since we didn't talk about the news really, that this prime minister shit in the UK is hilarious. Yeah, no, we talked about it. Whenever we recorded this week uh, th- or last week's episode, it was still unclear if Boris might get the job, which I still say would have been the best option. But uh, yeah, I don't know who the fuck R- Rishki is, I think is the, their name. I don't even know if it's a man or a woman. But hey, congratulations, UK. I'm sure this You don't know about this out. guy? Oh, my God. We don't have time. I have to get to a show. <laughs> but we'll talk <laughs> about it. All I'm saying is next week, you're gonna love talking about talking about what's going on. In Hell the- yeah, I'm excited. All right, well, uh, Kennedy, Deanna, thank you for joining me today, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I will be doing a regular episode the following week, um, and maybe some of these some of these little chuckle fucks will be here with me. But hey, for all the chuckle fucks listening at home, thank you again, and tune in next week for more bad news.